Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and friends beyond the binary, it's time for the podcaster. Uh, whose socks are too tight? I think my socks are too tight. These, this particular pair. Hey, but that helps me focus. It's time for sleep with me. The podcast that puts you to sleep. Are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. Uh, as I said, this is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to do is create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's thinking, you know, feeling, you know, whatever it is. If, if it's uh, physical sensations, you know, stuff at work, stuff at school, you know, just life stuff or, you know, temporary stuff, travel, whatever it is, I, I want to take your mind off of it. You know, a safe place, a place where you could, I know you can't set it aside. I think that's one thing that gets can be hard when you can't sleep is say, well, why don't you just forget about it? And I, on this podcast, I never say that because, well, if I do, I, I apologize. Because <laughs> I know how hard it is, you know, you see, just I just can't forget it. I can't fall asleep. I got stuff on my mind. I can't just turn my brain off. And that's what I can be like sometimes. And for maybe for some of you, that's not the case. Maybe it's something else, but maybe it's similar. And I made this podcast an attempt to put some of you to sleep to distract you. And like I said, we do it with a bedtime story. What I'm going to do is send my voice across the deep, dark night. That's part one of the uh, safe place. Uh, part two is I'm going to use uh, lulling, uh, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones, pointless meanders. Uh, that's good. Is that, that's part two. Part three, no expectations. Like I said, I'm not going to say, what, what do you mean you can't fall asleep? That's like the worst thing you say. Anyway, I don't want to get into it because I don't want to, you know, say, you know, turn the temperature up. So you're under no pressure. You're also under no pressure to fall asleep. You you could fall asleep at your leisure. You could listen as a distraction. You could listen before bed. You can listen in bed. You could listen, you know, if you're folding socks, if your socks are, if you're stretching socks, that might be what I do this evening. Say, well, Friday night, what do you say we do a little sock stretching? And I mean that in the, in the literal sense, not that, not that thing, Nana. The kind of sock stretching you do with doors unlocked and wide open. In you know, I'd say I don't care if you look in my window. Some stretching socks. Maybe I do. Is that something you could get shamed for by like stretching stress, like actual sock stretching? A little bit of a tongue twister, but if you're new here, you're under no expectation to fall asleep. You're also under no pressure to listen or to pay attention. I'm going to try to distract you. I'm going to be mildly entertaining. Maybe I'll give you a case of the boar giggles. Uh, but ideally, you won't even remember. You say, I think I giggled once or maybe like I sneezed. Like an amused sneeze. Like an amuse bouche. That's like a like a before a sn- I don't know. I was trying to make that into something. It won't go. Won't go together. But sounds the same. Amused sneeze and amuse. Don't don't sneeze in my amuse bouche. I'll tell you that. Also, I don't know when. I, I think I'm trying to think of the last time I had an amuse amuse bouche. Would have been my brother's mighty bouche. You're right, brain. That doesn't have anything to do with it, but it sounds similar. Correct. I think it was my brother's wedding, and that was 2014. It was my last moose bouche. 
I think, no, it's 2015. I don't know. My years are, you know, my years are mangled together in my mind. That was my last Moose Boo show. One day, except for the ones I make, you know, but I called that lunch. I don't know, sardine on a cracker. That's, I guess you could, that's a mouthful. You know, there you go. Chris Podcast, Chris Posty Posterson has a podcast called Sounds Like an Earful. Anyway, if you're new here, I'm going to try to take your mind off stuff. Tonight, we're going to be talking about Star Trek The Next Generation. And usually, so here's how the structure of the podcast works. There's like five minutes of business or so, or, you know, credits and how we support the show. Then there's about an 8 to 12 minute intro, which we're in the midst of here. And then we'll talk about, uh, you know, we'll do a couple run-throughs of uh, the last episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. I watched the Royale. You know, I thought maybe we'd get it like every, maybe we could use these, in these intros, we could use the wisdom I called it from the episode, like one piece of wisdom. And this one comes from uh, Jean-Luc Picard. And he's like, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what he's talking about. But he says, uh, puts things in perspective. In our arrogance, we feel we are so advanced, yet we cannot, cannot unravel a simple knot tied by a part-time French mathematician. He said him smoother. Uh, uh, working alone without a computer. We cannot unravel, in our arrogance, we feel we're so advanced, but we can't even undo this simple mathematical puzzle. That's what they're talking about. And I can say to that, I say, I feel you, Jean-Luc, because uh, it was just, if, you, if you were listening to the podcast, you know, because if, if, if we're like the, the beings in the episode of Justice, where we're like, you're, if you're a multidimensional being now, I mean, I've I've existed in multi dimensions, not on not on this exact podcast episode, uh, but I have tra- tra- traveled the realms of fan- fiction, fantasy. You know, I've traveled multi dimensionally to the world of Game of Thrones, and uh, I, I couldn't spend any time there just because of the fluxing. Uh, but I was just making a point, Jean Luc, about uh, oh, to call you Captain Picard. Of course, of course. Does that mean I'm in? Does that mean I'm in Starfleet? No. Okay, I'm having trouble with this figment of Jean-Luc in my brain. I'm just trying to, you know, pay you your wisdom. Just, I was just working with you. Proceed. Thank you, thank you, C- Captain. Sorry, thank you, Captain Picard. Could I be number four? Like, I wouldn't be mind if if I was like number four. Okay, talk to Starfleet. You got it. I will. Yeah, they've shredded all my application. Anyway, I got to do it to get to the sorry, a little p- 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 pinch of Picard there. But I, I was, he, you know, he was saying in our arrogance, we feel so advanced we can't unravel a simple knot, uh, and that's how it can feel at bedtime. Both sides of it, you know, say, Jesus, this thing I need every single night, I desire to get a good night's sleep. But then, not only is it difficult to do so sometimes, or regularly, or situationally, whatever you're you're grappling with, on top of that, and maybe there's some internal arrogance you're doing battle with, or brain bots, or self-criticism, but then you get into this relational arrogance where people just don't understand, and and then they they take a little bit of a haughty attitude, and they say, well, you just got to try harder. If you want to get a good night's sleep, you got to try harder, and you see... I could tell you what, I'm not a sleep scientist. 
but I can tell you that trying harder is does not work like uh, falling asleep. Come on. And then they probably say, well, you're probably doing it wrong. That's why. You say, well, exactly. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Like, I'm trying to fall asleep. I, I, I don't know how I'm doing it wrong. I, clearly, I'm doing it wrong. Because uh, if I was doing it right, I would have slept last night. We wouldn't be having this discussion. You know, we'd be talking about something something inane instead of which, which now. And then you kind of get it. And then the knot tightens. So Captain Picard is wise, you know, maybe wise enough to fast track an imaginary application to Starfleets for someone that's not qualified and won't probably follow the chain of command. But, uh, you know, there, there, there's all these things we have, think we have figured out, and, and sometimes it can be uh, very uh, perplexing. And other people won't do, you know, just like parents just don't understand uh, do you think if the Fresh Prince, like if Will Will Smith was actually the Fresh Prince, like that was an autobiograph- autobiographical song, talk about like not understanding. Now one of the biggest stars on the planet for the past like 20 years, you know, don't you think the parents, like they would say they couldn't have understood. I don't know. I think I thought it was, I thought that was going to come together. Sometimes my thoughts don't come together. That's why I do the show. But yeah, like you're trying to get to sleep. It's something, I don't know. So I made this podcast. I guess that's my point. And it doesn't work for everybody. I hope it works for you. You know, give it a few tries. If you're skeptical, why wouldn't you be? You say, what has this guy been talking about for tw- eight, 8 to 12 minutes? And I thought this was going to put me asleep. I said, well, it, it, it takes time. You're not under pressure to fall asleep. And uh, you know, I'm gonna t- I'll, I'll ramble but I'll be here for you, uh, and I hope it works for you because I've been there, and I'm glad you're here. And not only do I hope, I really yearn to help you fall asleep. So thanks for stopping by. All right, so we're talking about Roy the Royale, which I had a lot of trouble with the title, R-O-Y-A-L-E. I didn't write that. It's season two, I, I think around episode eight. I didn't write that down. I think most of the time I called it, I was calling the episode either the ho- in my notes, the Hotel Royale or the Palace Hotel. Again, you know, that's just dyslexia talking. But this week I did the same, like I watched episode once. Uh, our good ha- friend Ahab's wife recommended this episode, and I'd never seen it before. So what I did was I watched it once, like a, a, a like casual watch for pleasure. And didn't take any notes. I just enjoyed it. And I really, this is the episode of when your first time viewing it is really enjoyable. And even on your my second and third time. So then I watched it again with that, with the, on mute. And I still found like, okay, how much is this going to damage my sanity? Like, should I watch it at three, uh, like 15 minute increments? Like, which can like, which is going to like, uh, like watching a TV show on mute. but So that's what I did this week was I watched it in three 15-minute chunks and then I watched it again with the sound on, uh, you know, to kind of get, pay, you know, get it to get a better sense of the dialogue. I think I watched that one in like a 30-minute chunk and then a 15-minute chunk. And then maybe on our second run-through, I'll roll the episode in the background here. So this one won't have any dialogue discussions unless I remembered something. It opens with a very green planet. I put Earth-like question mark, and we see the Enterprise, and we're on the deck, which is actually the bridge. Sometimes I call it the deck. I don't know why. 
data gives was uh, befuddled in the way to look. Except that's not was, it's West. So data gives Wesley a befuddled, annoyed look. Roy, R- Riker and Jordy are figuring out some sort of scan. The scan's a little bit 8-bit. Eight, eight I don't know what this says. Jordy Gel Chill. Uh, Jordy Gel. Or 6-E-E-L. Chill, that's definitely... Oh, Jordy gets a chill. I remember this now. He does a little shiver, more of a shiver than a chill. Uh, then Picard's kicked back. Uh, definitive screen. What does that mean? Rotation. Definitive screen rotation expression question mark. Wow, these notes are unbelievably detailed. Uh, definitive screen rotation expression or express scan. Mailing points and amusing Riker. Making points and amusing Riker. So he's making some points and it's amusing Riker. Uh, then he takes a pull. I don't know what this means. Maybe next time I'll have it running now. Takes a pull. I don't know what happened, but uh, uh, then the Enterprise. Then we see the planet. Uh, trampoline row. A, oh, transporta- transporter room, something, nope, use fling. Oh, what, they, what happens is they, they, uh, they bring in a, a piece of a plane or a spaceship. Oh, that's junk. Transporter room junk, nope, use flag, US, nope, USA flag. And then they see NASA on it and they say, holy cow. And then the episode opens. So they found a piece of junk in space. And it has a United States flag and NASA on there. Uh, then we're in the conference room. We see the episode's called The Royale. Static Steers. I don't know what that says. Static Steers at Staff Meeting. It's two exclamation points, too. Oh, you know what it is? I remember. This was disappointing. I don't want to, you know, I, I, I'm not here to criticize Star Trek. And the fact is, this the air date of this episode was like March of 1989, so 28 years ago almost. But I was a little disappointed because I do appreciate whatever that Disney concept is of uh, motion. I forget there's a nice word for it that I don't remember. And how that adds to our immersion and illusion. And in the the boardroom, it was clear that the stars were just like projected or, you know, some sort of... Uh, like just static at part of the set. So the stars weren't moving. You know, they were actual physical, um, what do you call that? What do they say about Star Wars? You know, they say, oh, they're using something effects, uh, like the real effects. Like like instead of, it wasn't green screen stars, uh, but it wasn't moving. And I mean, just a mild, it pulled me out and I said, oh man. You know, it, it could, it, like, but not a huge point, but big enough for me to talk about it once I could decipher my handwriting. Uh, counselors, Troy's arms are crossed, which brings up this question, like, about climate control on the ship and what is the ideal temperature of the Enterprise? Uh, is Counselor Troy cold at this moment? Like, like, can't you wear, I mean, like, uh, I, I don't know. I don't really want to delve into, like, uh, I don't know. I'm not. I haven't watched enough episodes again. I delve into the outfits and controversy around that. But I say, just can she, could she have a sweater? 
or was or was it body language? But her arms are crossed in a way they said, maybe she's cold. Uh, then I can't read this thing. Something Clint control on the ship. Uh, oh, climate control on the ship, double question mark. Man, my handwriting in this notes is terrible. Uh, Jordy does another scan, very Minecrafty. Uh, then Wharf Date and Riker transport out. Uh, and they're in this, like, uh, really cool. This was very David Lynch. It was great. Uh, they're just against this black. They're in, like, a pure blackness. Uh, but under this, like, gas, uh, green gas sky, very dreamlike. And it phases something. Fa- oh, no, they pull their phasers out. And then they see a lone revolving door against pure blackness. And I think this was inky. When people say it was inky blackness, I would say this is like it it almost had a, it was like almost textureless. It was so deep, Uh, but it was so textureless it had texture, which probably doesn't make any sense, but I bet you you can picture it in your head. And there's just this lone revolving door and it's revolving, old fashioned wooden, it's, it's calling and it's not attached to anything. Uh, spinning on its own room reminds me of something, but I couldn't figure out. It reminded me of something. I never placed it. Uh, Riker checks in with Picard, who's like, what? Worf looks irritated. And then they go through the door, and then they're in like a Las Vegas hotel, the palace. Of course, I kept, I was wrong. It's the Royal. It was palace-like. Oh, palace motif. Confused? Yes, they are. And then the bridge, and Jordy's confused, and Captain Picard's not happy. Uh, then they're looking around the hotel. I, I call. I started calling them the hotel crew, the three of them. Uh, then Picard seemed like he was scor- scolding Jordy. Then we see the big green blanket on the screen. Uh, then we see Dade and Riker. They put their phasers away, but Worf uh, still has his out. Finally, he puts his away. They go to the lobby, the desk. Uh, they talk to the assistant manager, who's definitely an actor we've seen in a lot of things before. But, of course, they put a star, so I would look it up, which it did not. And then there's a bellhop who's in a blue and maroon. And they share a moment, him and the assistant manager. Uh, then he gives them key. He gives the guys, Riker, Data, and uh, Worf, uh, keys and ca- casino chips. And Worf's very skeptical. He has, like, really hilarious looks in this episode. He kind of looks at the cheese, you know, I don't know. And then they kind of, like, somebody asks the manager a question. He looks at them like they're dense. Uh, Here's another question. Then Data pulls out some kind of scanner. And I think I mentioned it later in my notes, but it looked like a receipt printer. And I, like, I asked myself this. I guess I didn't follow up, but, like, where is he keeping this? Like, did he, like, I didn't notice it. Like, I mean, I'm not good at continue. What is that called? Continuity anyway. So he could have had it on his belt the whole time. I didn't notice it, but I put from where. Then people are gambling. Then it's an ad. Then Data's doing a scan and they're discussing. Then there's like this older Texas rhinestone wearing cowboy guy with a little bit of a Rodney Dangerfield look. Riker's cracking up at all this. Uh, then on the bridge, we got Wes and Jordy, and Picard's like, WTF, man, like, he's not happy. 
And I think he was saying, like, press some more buttons and use both hands. And then I brought up again another, this is like, how much of this is improv, like Wes and Jordy's, like, hand motions? Because uh, I was just watching, like, a lot of what they were doing. And then Ricard and Troy are, uh, like, on the bridge. She seemed less cold. Her arms were uncrossed. She seemed relaxed on the bridge. So maybe the bridge has a different temperature. And then Data starts rolling around the casino. I mean, this episode, thank you, Ahab's wife, for mentioning this, because this is just, uh, if you're a fan of Data uh, or Worf, like I am, I mean, this is just a gem. And if you're a Riker fan, which I'm not, I mean, I don't want to, I guess I'm, I don't know, maybe it might just be like a testosterone thing. Uh, I'm not, not anti Riker, but I just, tre- like, I treasure moments with Data and Worf. So if you like moments with Data and Worf, this is an episode for you. Uh, so Data starts playing blackjack. The cowboy puts his hat on Data. Data says some, like, comedy moves with their cards, like, shuffling them, raises his eyebrows. Is like, I think I said, I don't know when I said this, but I would love to, like, I don't know. Let me know if you're a huge Next Generation person, like, where I could see episode outtakes, because there's some outtakes I would love to see. Uh, so he does stuff with his eyes. And like I don't, I guess I don't want to delve too deep into it. But like, who, who hung with who of the cast? Like, who's friends? I guess they probably don't want to know because like, what if they didn't like each other or something? I guess then I could, you know, I could hop in the fantasy fiction machine and deal with it. Okay, so Data hits, gets a lot of hits when he's playing blackjack. Uh, Texas guy, Texas guy's a little leany. He's like a bit of a dirtbag uh, to this woman next to him. Uh, dealer has a very uh, sweet tuxedo shirt on. And Data gets all the, hits all these low cards, and so he gets 21. Blackjack, he has a pleased look. You know, then Riker and Worf roll up, and they kind of like, uh, oh, yeah, this is where I put, there must have been really good bloopers because, uh, when they see Data in the hat, there's no way there wasn't outtakes from this scene. It was almost like something on a um, vibration level I could detect their total amusement with the ridiculousness in a good way, like Worf and Riker. I don't know. I, I guarantee there must have been, because he, he looked hilarious. And he was just really hamming it up in the best way. So then they roll out. Then Picard checks up on Jordy and uh, Wes. They're still pressing lots of buttons and moving, doing sliders. Like a two-finger slide, like stuff Apple would invent, you know, 20 years after this. Like Wes has got a lot of finger moves. Then he does this spider crawl up the screen with his fingers. Also maybe curious, like, what is more better, more better, but... Uh, like, we you know, uh, physical sliders or finger sliders? Uh, I mean, I guess in this future, it's, you know, touch screens. Uh, then what does this say? Place three? I don't know what that means. Uh, yeah, I don't know what that means. Place three. Uh, but, oh, maybe the, the three. The palace three? They try to go out the door, the ro- rotating door, and they just rotate right back in. And they give it two tries, and they're totally baffled. 
Uh, then Data starts talking to like a retiree who's on a slot machine. She hits a jackpot. And Riker's trying to talk to people. They're ignoring him, so he seems annoyed. And then Worf, he like walks over to two slot machines, pushes them out of the way, starts like pushing on the wall, trying to find like a secret door panel. Then he tries to phaser the walls. And I think in like stun and full mode, no dice, and data returns. He's like, wait, bros, we're stuck here. Then we see the green planet. We see the bridge. Then we see Jordy on the case. Then Picard and Troy talk. Uh, then we see a little bit of this Riker swagger. Like, so this might be why Riker, because Riker swaggers, uh, and I think that triggers like my, like, uh, something in me, you know, to say, well, why is this guy swaggering? Uh, you know, I want to, I want to be the swaggerer, Riker. But I mean, I, I, he is growing on me because he's so always so amused. Probably just jealous. I mean, why lie about it? Like, uh, probably just jealous of Riker. I mean, a part of me would be like, is this is what my life's gotten to. I'm jealous of, uh, Riker, but I think Already doing this podcast, is this the fifth, the fifth episode? I think, like, it's a deserved thing in a good way to be jealous. He's swaggering. Then we see the bellhops in trouble with the manager. Riker's in the background waiting at the hotel desk. Riker talks to the manager, kind of gets a runaround. Riker clicks his chest, tries to check in with the bridge. Data has some data on his receipt printer. Uh, then they try to go on the elevator, but they're tentative. Uh, Data does, uh, presses the button. And then they're walking the halls of the hotel. They knock on a door. Worf pulls out his phaser. They go into the hotel room. There's like a surprise uh, fruit basket in the room. Uh, but the fruit is old. Like, like, you know when oranges get that stuff on them, that's what happened. Worf looks in the closet, and there's a spacesuit in there. And then I put dudes close to the door. Like, they're in the hotel room. They left the door open. Uh, then we see the, a patch on the spacesuit. It says, C-Y-A-R-Y-B-D-I-S, Sharabidis, uh, NASA, first beyond the solar system. Check the flag, Colonel B. Ritchie. Then they check in with the ship. Then Worf's like, dude, check out this. There's two Bibles in here. And then Data reads one of the Bibles, but it's a book, not a Bible. Also, I put, who are the Gideons? I think I answered that in one episode, and now I've forgotten. I mean, I was really, I was writing jokes. They have a, they have a Goodreads moment with the Bibles or whatever. Then they find his journal. Whatever's in the journal is bad news. So bad, Picard crosses his arms, and there's a commercial. I mean, not really. There's just an ad break or act break. Then there's uh, the Greens planted in the ship, and then Picard and Jordy and some other staff member. And they're in the hotel room. It's Data and Riker, kind of like a conference call situation. And Picard seems to be like, ideas, people. I need some ideas here. Then Worf takes a phone call in the room. And from what I could tell, I think it was someone that said, called Worf. They said, is your refrigerator running? And he said, I don't know what you, what you mean. And then they they said, do you have Prince Albert in a can? And Worf didn't like that. So they say, let's get out of here. And then Worf actually closed the hotel door. So I had to give him props for that. 
Very considerate. Then Picard and Troy, he's like looking at his laptop. He's grimacing, Picard. Then Data and Worf, uh, uh, they come off the elevators. They're ready to work the room, especially Data. He meets up with this cowboy and the woman. That they, and he does something to annoy the cowboy. Then I don't know what this says. Data confounder. Data confront. Data con founder. Data can founder. Looks like data co founder. I don't know what that means. But then Riker and Worf watch the bellhop and the manager. And then this, then it just gets even more bizarre, especially if you have no dialogue. There's a dude in a white suit. Like, uh, it looked a little bit like the guy on Wings, whose name escapes me, the main guy, who was also an airplane, I think. And then he's wearing a white suit with a coat on his shoulders, like where your arms aren't in the coat. And he must be, there's some kind of showdown. Uh, then we have Picard and Troy, they're thinking. Picard's eyes are closed while he thinks. Then the guy in the suit with the bellhop, they ends up, he's the one in charge of the oranges. So they have this thing about the oranges. Worf almost gets involved, I think, just as, you know, because he's, you know, go, goes into Worf mode. Then they figure something out with Picard, and then there's a commercial. Uh, then Riker comes with the book. Riker comes bowl. Riker comes boot. Riker comes boot book. Something like that. Data has a plan, explains it. Then they play craps with the Texan and the woman, and it's Data's turn. He blows on the dice. I think he has a woman blow on the dice first. He does this palm-up thro dice throw. That's a, This scene is amazing. 40 minutes. Get on your DVR. Not your DVR. It's on Amazon and Netflix, so there's no reason to miss this. 40 minutes to the, the Royale. You got, I mean, if you see only one part of Next Generation this year, uh, another point, he rubs the dice, he blows them, he does a no-look dice throw like we've seen in the, uh, like the Tom Cruise did in that uh, pool movie, and then Ramsey Bolton did in the pool movie on Game of Thrones. I mean, I wrote like a, like a teen from eight years ago. I put OMG, the data looks... Uh, Holy gift, or holy gif, depending on how you say it. So like, it's another thing. If you can generate any memes or gifs or gifs, please get a hold of me and get some of this 40-minute scene down. Another point, he snaps and winks. And he's, cra he, he's cracking Riker up. Uh, then Riker's on a call with the captain, still cracking up. Everyone's happy. Riker's a big tipper, uh, very smiley. Uh, Texan tries to rain on their parade for a minute. Uh, living bellhip. Loving bellhop. Living bellhip. I don't know what that says. Dice blow. Big win. Uh, Data gets a tray of money. Everybody's happy. Riker uh, breaks it up. Uh, oh, no. Riker breaks the thing. He shows off the book. I, I, he, like, broke the illusion. Throws the book on the craps table, and they walk to the doors and into the, out into the darkness. Uh, they call Picard, who's happy, and then they're out, the ship and the planet. 
And then uh, Picard and Riker were in the office. Something about the wall panels distracted me. I don't know what, because I didn't write why. And that's the end. Okay, good news. Here's some facts. Royale, Season 2, Episode 12. Uh, yeah, I'm going to try reading through this one without having it playing in the background. Because I wish you could play it on, like, 1.5 speed. Uh, eighth Plank, Distorted Scraps... Uh, let me read the uh, dialogue I have here. Oh, yeah, Captain's Log. We're entering the uh, orbit around the eighth planet in the Theta 116 solar system. Passing Klingon cruiser reported a str- strange vessel pieces in the atmosphere. We're investigating. And I think that was another thing. I don't know if this is in my notes, but I realized watching this episode how many of these are like mysteries, you know, very procedural. Uh, but I guess in a more episodic way, because they don't never have a set. They don't, don't never. They do not have a set procedure they follow. You know, every time, or maybe I'll learn they do. But uh, like, they, so this is the mystery. There's scraps of a ship, in the, and then they're investigating. I guess that's why the captain said it, not me. But then Jordy's talking about the planet. He says it's nasty, methane, neon. Ammonia tornadoes. It's got the debris and ellipse, elliptical orbit. And then he says, na- he has the chills, like I said earlier. And he says, nasty. And then we have the quote. I'll just read through the style because it's quick of this uh, setup with Riker and Picard. Uh, Picard's uh, looking at his computer. He says, he spins it. Does he, Is this when he spins it? Uh, Maybe it's later, but he says, Fermi's Last Theorem, are you familiar with it? And Riker says, vaguely, you know, more of a charmer than math guy. As daydreaming about being on a starship. I don't know, is this the one, what's this, Matt Damon figured out in um, Goodwill Hunting? Is this the same theorem? Uh, Picard says, when Pierre de Fermi uh, died, they found this equation scrawled in the notes, X to the nth plus y to the nth equals z to the nth when n is greater than 2 which he says has no solution in whole numbers but he also added this phrase remarkable proof Riker said yeah it's coming back to me no proof included and Picard like it's just I love I mean man Talk about, like, great, he says, well, the 800 years people have been trying to solve it. And Riker says, including you. Picard says, I find it stimulating, and it puts things in perspective. In our arrogance, we feel we are so advanced, and yet we cannot unravel a simple knot tied by a part-time French mathematician working alone without a computer. And then this says a lot about the relationship. Riker just moves into the business. He says, uh... Uh, Captain, there's debris in a loose orbit. And Picard says, can you identify it? And uh, Riker says, no, let's beam a section aboard for analysis. And Riker says, make it so, number one. And then they see the markings, what sort of markings. And, oh, this is another one. Picard says, we've got ourselves a little puzzle, number one. And he says, sir, I guess we have. And that's when it opens. So, again, setting up the investigation of the mystery. I underlined, I liked it so much, I said, we've underlined, got, underlined, ourselves, underlined, and so on. Uh, 
Then it opens, and then data, it says data analysis. Oh, no, data says analysis. Uh, it said, yeah, this is a, a terrestrial in our origin, uh, mid-20th century. In regards, like, no Earth ship could have been out this far. And data says, nevertheless, uh, that's not what our tests indicate. And the markings on it are consistent so this is after they found the piece and beamed it aboard, you know. I guess this is the benefit of having it playing in the background. But they say, any indication of what destroyed it? Troy says that uh, data. He says, well, that's even more in, in, in more significant, Counselor. The molecules seem to have disintegrated. And Riker says, how? And data says, there's something from our time. Picard says, curiouser? Curiouser and curiouser. And then Wesley says, yo, there's a, a building on this planet uh, sitting on frozen methane and uh, something, something unknown, sir. And then I love how Picard built, he says, suggestions. And he said, well, it's got breathable air. Maybe somebody has to go down there. You know, it doesn't seem like there's anything dangerous down there. Uh, but we don't know. And he says, I think we could risk a minimal away team, number one. And then they set their phasers for stun, green light, energize. Uh, like to, it's like we're on the edge of a hurricane. And then they said, Commander, what is that door? Uh, what is that, a door? And it's, and it's kind of spinning and inviting them in. Unusual place. There is a tape on the. What does this say? There is a tape on. There is a tape on revolving door. I don't know what. They, I don't know what that note says. I think that's what the report. They said, "Well, there's a revolving door down here, Commander Picard." And they say we're entering, and then there's lots of happy sounds, and all three of the data wharf and Riker seem confused. Then up in the bridge, there's like, there's nothing to lock onto. Then Riker tries uh, uh, to call the Enterprise. He says, we've entered the structure, come in. And then Wesley says, and when they went through that antique doorway, the sing signal disappeared. And then he says, Jordy, what do you think? And Jordy says, unknown. That's twice this episode, unknown. And then Data's like, we better get back. And Riker's like, dude, are you seeing this place? We're here. We might as well check it out. So again, the Riker swagger. And then there's a bellhop. Uh, they check in. says, go to the front desk. Uh, very uh, good. And then Riker rings the bell. The guy's been ignoring him, like doing the mail or something. So then Riker clears his throat. And the guy says, the assistant manager says, welcome. Have you had a nice trip? We've been expecting you. And they're like, expecting us. Then there's this scene with bad dialogue and music with uh, the bellhop talking about Rita to the manager. Very melodramatic. And as it will be revealed, and oh, and they, they're talking about Mickey D, who's like the antagonist for these characters. And my question was in 1989, was it called Mickey D's in 1989 or 86? I think it was 89. 
like, 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 uh, or did it become Mickey D's after, like, for McDonald's? Because if it was, this is like, they just say, they say Mickey D a lot, so, uh, uh, read is too much for you to handle. Then they get the manager gives out the keys and says, "Enjoy, gentlemen." And then uh, Riker says, "What is this place?" And then, or no, Worf says, "What is this place?" He says it really funny. And the guy goes, "What are you, the palace, the Royale?" And Riker goes, "What planet is it?" And he goes, "Earth." What do you call it? And Worf goes, "We we call it Theta Eight. It was just." <laughs> It was so funny. And I mean, I think intentionally, like he was, we call it Theta 8. I don't know who was better in this episode, honestly. And then Data says, Commander, none of these people are emitting life signs. And he says, what do you mean? They're not alive? Then what are, War says, he says a very, you mean they're not alive? Like very, uh, I don't know, you got to hear it. And they say, well, what, what do you mean? He goes, Worf says, these beings, are they machines or mere del- illusions designed to deceive us? And Data says, no. He goes, they exist, but they don't register as man or machine. And at this point, I would just wonder if they, why do they don't think they're on a holodeck? And why, like, why does the, how often does, is that going to happen in Star Trek or how often would it in this world in reality like that you trap people on holodecks but i think i learned maybe it was from the episode i'm watching now that they consume a lot of energy these illusions like the holodecks do uh, but he says no 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 they, they just don't register as man as machine then the texan comes out uh the elevator and uh he says this creature has no dna structure and the guy says, look, who's you talking about? And then this is Ahab's wife's uh, favorite moment. Uh, D- Data says, uh, the guy says, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. Time to get to business. And Data says, what sort of business do you think he suppose he's getting down to? He really said that. What sort of business uh, do you suppose he's getting down to? Uh, then on the bridge, Picard wants a status report and uh, West and Jordy are working on it. Uh, then Riker talks to Troy. He's not happy. Uh, he's like, he goes, what is Riker? is not following procedure. He should have immediately come back. And Troy says, I don't think he's in danger. If I could guess what he's feeling, it's amusement. And Ricard's like amused or bemused. I put bemused. Uh, then Data plays Blackjack, which is pretty funny because he rattles off, you know, you learn Blackjack, you like reads it off the back of his eyebrow, eyebrow, eyeballs. Then he has the hat on. They say Annie up, which I don't think you Annie up in Blackjack, you just bets. Oh, he says Blackjack, access. And then he raises his eyebrows. That was funny. I wonder if every, how many people were, I think the, the man and the woman here have a gambling problem. And then Data's, like, taking too many hits. The guy's like, what are you doing? And Data says, if the objective of the game. Also, the guy from Texas was rattling on at one point, and Data's mouth was open. Uh, then, like, uh, he has a please look. And then they say, uh, I think Riker says, Data, you having fun? And he says, fun, sir? Uh, while there's a certain amount of enjoyment involved, I'm conducting research. And he says, Riker says, save it. We're getting out of here. 
Also, it's like, how often does data use sir? Then Picard is like, uh, uh, progress. Uh, and there, Wes is like, we're doing this encoding scheme, alternate something. And, you know, hydrogen, hydrogen, carbon. And they're going back and forth. And this was fun. It just, just like, I love it. He goes, those are some very aggressive, fairly evacuated. Picard says, those are some fairly aggressive computations, Lieutenant. Uh, like when he's looking at what uh, Jordy's doing. I mean, I underlined it because it was so good. And they say, blah, blah, blah. And he says, make it so. Uh, then we're at the hotel. They try to leave. Uh, then they say, try that again. They So they did two tries. But they try to go through the revolving door. It just brings them back to the hotel. There's some mystery music and confused looks. Then Rikers, let's find another way out of here. And they kind of get the brush off. And that's when uh, Worf tries to phaser the wall. He says, I believe we're trapped, sir. Or maybe Data says that. And something uh, trapped here. And then there's an, an ad break. I've been trying to come up with initials that are always wrong. CL, Captain's Log. Oh, yeah, that's what CL would stand for. Yeah, Captain's Log. We're still out of touch with the, them. Uh, then uh, Troy, uh, she says, she says she's Captain Riker's feeling tense now. There's been a change in the situation. Uh, then Riker goes up to the um, assistant manager. He wants some answers. Uh, then Archer something. Oh, another bellhop uh, manager exchange about Mickey D. Oh, that's when Riker says, I want some answers. And the guy says, I'm sorry. He says, that's not good enough. And then he says, I want to see the manager. And he goes, sorry, the manager's really busy. That was Lynchian. There's something about that that was a Lynchian, that there's a manager or, yeah, and then Picard gets through. It's very choppy. He goes, number one, why haven't you left the building? And you can tell Picard's a little testy with number one. And this kind of makes me wonder about, you know, they, they do have different personalities, so Riker's a lot looser, like if this is some sort of resentment thing. Uh, but then Data says, Data's looking at this, all of a sudden, after that, he says, I'm picking up some human DNA in the hotel. I put an exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, because it's just hilarious. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you don't want to think about it too much, but I'm picking up some human DNA. And then they say, let's take the turbo lift. Or if it's like, this thing's malfunctioning. And uh, then they're in the hotel, and they say it's behind the door. There's DNA, but no signs of uh, life. And then they, there's the astronauts there who's passed in his sleep, and Worf says, that's a terrible way to go. And they said, typical Worf. And they said, well, how long has this person been here? 283 years, a sterile environment. And they, they, then I guess Riker kind of figures out this whole place is just window dressing. And then they pull out the uniform, and it has 52 stars, which Riker says, that means it was from the years 2033 uh, to 2079. So it means we're picking up a, a, something in the next few years. He says, rest in peace. Then Picard calls, he says, what's your situation? Which I thought was like a, you know, a thing you said. And then they say, well, there's this novel about the Hotel Royale. And he says, summarize it, please. Uh, so Data starts reading it. 
Uh, or no, then Wesley looks it up. Uh, oh no, Wesley's looking about Colonel Ritchie, who says uh, they launched on July 23rd, 2037, third manned attempt to travel beyond the confines of our solar system. Telemetry failed, never heard from again. And then Hotel Royale by Todd Matthews. Story of a group of compulsive gamblers, you know, caught in a bunch of melodrama. With uh, then Data's like, yeah, Mickey D, you know, in the bellboy. With a subplot with an old man and a younger woman gambling and squandering money. And they, then they figure out, well, that's exactly, we're in this story. We're immersed in the story. And then Rick says, wait a second, there's a diary here by Colonel Ritchie. I write this in the hopes that it'll be someday read. I can only surmise at this point our shuttle, like, got some sort of alien contamination. And, you know, I, I was left. I fell asleep. And then I woke up in this Royal Hotel, Royale Hotel, precisely the same as the novel I happen to be reading in my room. And he goes, for the last 38 years I've been here, and he goes, I think the aliens uh, created this place out of guilt, presuming the novel we had on board was uh, a guide to our preferred lifestyle and social habits. Obviously, they thought it was the world I came. I hold no malice towards them. They don't know, you know, how awful it is living this novel every day. Uh, for his badly written book with endless cliches and shallow characters. Can't wait till I move on from this one. And Picard says, okay, now that now it all makes sense, but why can't you leave? And then they're having the conference call, but Jordy's like, maybe I'll cut cut something. Maybe I could cut you out of there somehow, and we could freeze something. That's like the extra character. And they say, in theory, we could do that. But then Picard's like, okay, we'll take as long as it takes to figure out a good option. And Riker says, are you trying to motivate us? Because we'll find our own way out then. And then uh, 2930, like the phone rings, which I didn't know how Worf would know how to answer the phone. But again, this is another scene to watch. Uh, and why Worf answers the phone, I guess because he's a security officer. He says, there's a female voice on here. She wants to know if we want the room cleaned. And it's like a panic. It was just, whole, this was a really good scene because Riker's like, tell her no. And Worf says, no. And then Riker says, what did she say? And he said, she says the kitchen will be open for 24 hours if we change our minds. I think she said room service, not room cleaned. And then Riker's like, let's go down to the lobby and figure this out and get out of here. They want a room room service. And the way Worf looked at the phone, it was just worth it. Then uh, they're out. And then Troy and Picard are like reading the novel on Picard's screen. Uh, he's just starting it. His face is really good when he says, it was a dark and stormy night. He goes, oh, this is bloody terrible. Uh, then Data and Worf have this funny moment when they get off the elevator. Data says, I suggest we separate and blend in. Casual queries offered inconspicu inconspicuously may prove fruitful. Worf just gives me, he's like, yeah, right. I put blend in, a triple exclamation point, uh, 3128. Worf's face, like he wants to say something back at him. 
then Data taps Tex on the shoulder, and he says, how did you get here? And he goes, I drove here. I'm a caddy. Uh, he goes, I got a sweet car. And Data says, where's your automobile now? He goes, out front. And Data says, could you take me there? He goes, no, no, no. I'm trying to gamble with this uh, other c- customer. And Data says, I believe you're trapped inside the Royal just as I am. He goes, no, 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 I'm trapped in this game, in my gambling obsession. Uh, but then G- Data gets a clue because he tells her to stay pat because he says, like, uh, like he's like, wait a second, the novel is playing out here. Can't remember what the clue was, and I didn't write it down. Is he tells her the odds to that she, the odds favor her staying pat, but she still hits. Then Riker and Worf, and they see Mickey D come with this little interlude. Then we see halfway through the scene, Pike, Picard, and uh, Troy are having an audible moment. They're like listening to the deluxe version on Audible, like a voice acting version. And says Troy says, I don't believe humans used to talk like that. And Picard says, well, it's a second-rate novel. And then they don't interfere, like, with Mickey D and the Bellhop, which I said, is that part of the prime directive? It could be. Uh, then Mickey D leaves the hotel, which gets Riker's attention. There's Riker's clue. And then he calls Picard. He goes, what's going on on page 244? Uh, Riker says, the hotel gets, or Picard says, the hotel gets bought. And he goes, by whom? Very good link language, by the way, Riker. He goes, three men from out of town, 12.5 million. And he goes, Captain, and he gets this huge grin, and he says, we're buying the hotel. Then there's an ad, and then we see Data, and I said, is this like that movie? Like, which came first, the uh, the Tom Cruise, Dustin Hoffman movie, which, of course, a name I should have looked up, but now I can't remember, Uh, and I'm not going to remember it now. And then Data's talking about how he can win a craps. The record's like, elaborate. And then Data talks about, you know, all the odds and craps. And he says, can you do it? And Data says, oh, yeah, yeah, I can do it. Don't worry. And it's single digits on each cube. And then the guy says, your turn, Slick. And then Riker says to Data, go to work. And then the first one doesn't go well. So then Data says, I will make a new attempt. And then he goes, baby needs a new pair of shoes. This is when it gets really good. And he has a woman blow on it. And then there's a montage. I can't read this. Strutz one, number one. I don't know what that says. Run of luck. And then uh, Picard says, like Riker tells him, and then he says, don't get out of character. Uh, The characters in the book are flamboyantly generous. And then Riker gets really funny. He he starts uh, talking to everybody. He says, like, bet it all, you know, and he knows everybody. He goes, we need some spreading around money data. And then he knows everybody's name. He goes, hey, Ziggy, here's some money for you, for the cocktail waitresses. Give some to the parking lot attendants, which was weird because he says, go outside. And he goes, Vanessa, here's something for you. And Draker goes, when the train comes in, everybody rides. And they said, Riker, you you dog. Like my handwriting at the bottom of this, I cannot understand anything. Puzzle, I see. At end, puzzle, New Year, she, she. Oh, so then the montage goes, and and then it's like just a little bit more funny. You know, Riker says, we bought the place lock, stock, and barrel. Done deal. 
And then, you know, there's a little more comedy. Then they get out, and then they go up, and then they have the little thing with Picard and Riker to close it out in the room. And Picard says, welcome back, number one. And Riker says, very strange experience, puzzling. I can't comprehend how Colonel... This is what's good about Star Trek, too. How Colonel Ritchie's vessel traveled out that far. Not on its own, at any rate. And Picard says, perhaps they were brought here by whoever created that make-believe world down there. It's possible they didn't know how fragile the humans aboard were. And Riker says, none of it makes any sense. And Picard says, like Fermi's theorem, it's a puzzle we may never solve. And I guess the puzzle was solved at some point, but uh, uh, just amazing. Look at good stuff, and that's the end of the episode.